welcome to the second series of Founder Chats, the podcast from Be Purple, the University of Brighton's entrepreneurship support service. In our first series, we talked mostly about the early stages of startup, and I interviewed eight diverse founders to get their tips and advice on starting a business. In series two, we look at what happens once your business is up and running, and we look to the experiences of entrepreneurs behind some well-established businesses. In this episode, I talk to Jeff Cronkshaw, the founder of Lancia Consult, which is a senior technology advisory firm with three offices in the UK, as well as in Singapore, Hamburg and Hong Kong. Jeff started Lancia Consult with his partner in 2012 and has grown it to a team of 40 staff. He's a graduate of the University of Brighton, having studied computing and information systems in the late 90s, and he currently sits on the university's board of governors. Here's Jeff. Right, Jeff. Hello. Um, could you please introduce yourself? Um, what, who are you and what do you do? Hi, Luke. Uh, thanks for this. Uh, so I'm Jeff Cronkshaw. I'm the group managing director for Lancia Consult, um, founding director, and I run the business globally now. Okay. And you're a graduate of the University of Brighton? I am. Twenty-something uh, years ago, 21 years ago, 98. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, Computing information systems here in Cockcroft. So yeah, been a while. Right. Now. So it's bringing back a few memories being here today. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely love coming back, and it's um. But yeah, yeah it's, it's it's strange. Some things have changed. Some things are exactly the same. So it's always nice. So you're right. Yeah. And you, it was a good experience being at Brighton. Tell us a bit more of what you remember about studying. Yeah, no, twenty years ago, I still remember it very well. Um, I loved it. I loved. I loved from the, for the. I remember the. Uh, I remember the open day with the computing school and from that point to like today I've, I've loved my experience with university but yeah while studying here um, it flew by I'd, I'd never really had a, a bad day obviously some course modules you didn't enjoy as much as others but um, the whole experience was great I had a, I had a, a very good time and I, I look back on it very fondly yeah excellent okay could you tell us a bit about your sort of your founder story with Lancia Consult like how did it get started um, did you need any funding to get going just mm-hmm. to sort, of, sort of run us through the story I know, I know it's been going a fair while now but yes yeah, so we're we're in our eighth year um, you probably hear this quite a bit but the, the first year of that we don't we obviously do count but in some ways it doesn't count because the first year everything's just getting organized and you're really in those early days but so the, the story really was so we, we founded the business, my wife and I, um, in our early 30s. Um, so we've been working for about you know, over you know, 12 years or so. Um, been working in consulting and also uh, in IT project management um, for all of my career up to that point. And we, we had our daughter, one of those life moments where you think, well, I'd always wanted to do this. and always thought about doing our own company and even before university and school I'd done small things and little enterprises with friends and stuff like that and and I'd always had that in mind but just got lost in that you know building your career and enjoying that and we're in Singapore and we're working we're obviously living and working there we thought well now's time to do it and we we took the plunge my obviously with our daughter my wife has stopped work and she didn't want to go back into consulting either so we thought, why don't we give it a go? It's a, it's a, it's a good time to do it. You know, when your children are quite young, in those first couple of years, although it's hard work, they're pretty low maintenance. They don't need that much. So it's a good time to do it, and that's how we started. And we, you know, we had no funding. We started. It was a two dollar company, as you've probably heard that before. And we, um, we have taken small amounts of investment in for projects we've tried, but 
uh, very, very small, and uh, the company's now uh, self-funded. It's owned by, obviously, two or three predominant shareholders, and the, the team are starting to get ownership of it as well. Okay. So, so who was your first client then? How did you get that client? Uh, first client was a large pharmaceutical client, and we, we consulting is, if you're starting from scratch, consulting businesses are basically in the end of the day you're selling your experience and your people so I, I often compare it to hotel business which is a bit of a strange comparison but a hotel can only, can only do as, as much business as, as rooms it's got right so you've only got two people you can only do two people's amount of work and then you've got four people and eight people and so on so we, we started with two of us and we had one client and then we quickly had two our second client was a large logistics company um, we then we had another employee, then we had another client, and so on. So, those first two, three clients were really just relationships and people we knew, and they knew we'd come out of our previous careers, and we were, we were building a company, and we really just yeah sold our experience and our ourselves to get those first projects. Right. Um, those clients are still clients today, which is great. Wow. So, uh, very proud of that, and. Uh, Virtually every, virtually every client, I'd say almost every client we, we work with, we stay with. So that's still going on now in year eight, which is great, so. Yeah. Um, what about the sort of challenges of start, you've mentioned a few of them, but what other challenges do you remember in those early days of starting up? Um, how did you overcome? Um, there's lots, <laughs> they, they don't change, they just get bigger. Um, <laughs> I think everyone, you've probably heard this as well, have founders, but it's, when you're, the problems don't ever stop. They, the problems you have in the first couple of years are the same in year eight, year nine. They're just a different size and impact. But I guess the, f- the first ones really are, you don't really have, a, you don't really know, you're just working things out. So you're experimenting. So the real big first challenge was, what are we trying to do with the company? What's the, what's the branding behind Lancy Consult? What are we trying to offer and sell to customers? Bearing in mind, you're only two, three people, right? So you've got to be, you have to be realistic. You can't, at the end of the day, you don't have a big offering. You have two or three people. So that first, I'd say the first couple of years was trying to keep things realistic, work relationship, hiring people you know that are willing to join a very, very small business, literally two people. Um, it's very different when you're attracting graduates now joining a 40, 50-person company. It's very different from trying to attract someone when you're two people. Mm-hmm. So those first problems were really... You know, organizing yourself, being realistic, hiring your first next employee, um, scaling the business gently, it, it'd be quite patient. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say so much cash flow and those things because you don't have much cost. So cash flow doesn't really rear its head till a bit later. So those those initial problems are are, are really about just settling things in mm-hmm. and finding your way, establishing what you're trying to do attracting people to the business, learning your brand, developing that brand. They're, they're kind of the real common problems. Mm. And they're still there now, <laughs> exactly the same, we're just bigger. Mm-hmm. So you still have to attract people, you still have to develop your brand, you still have to work out what you're doing, you still have to uh, you know, reach new clients, but it's just a bigger challenge, that's all. Right. So, and there's other new things that come along, so. Yeah, okay. Um, and then sort of moving right up to the current day, give us an idea of your a typical day for you these days. What, what do you spend your time doing? Okay. Well, every day, every day is, I guess, the only thing that's typical um, is it's, it's very varied. So uh, 
Yeah, more like what well, over say a few days. So um, it can mix between uh, meeting with clients, working with team, working with uh, say our board or our senior team, and and doing leadership um, type meetings or activities or running the business, through to completely external things like my work with Brighton Uni, um, through to recruitment. All those things can happen in one day, which is what which is what I love and. I think one of the reasons I got into consulting very early in my career was I, I found I liked that variety. I liked having one day could be three or four things happening, and the next day could be three or four different things happening, and the next day something different again. And that mix is I've always enjoyed that. Right. So today, I had a you know a nice breakfast with some friends. I was staying with in Bristol. I drove to Brighton. I had a few phone calls. I stopped for a meeting, client internal. I'm doing this. I go to a board meeting. I have a dinner tonight, and then. Tomorrow I've got a whole morning of phone calls, then I, then I uh, have an afternoon off, kind of, to do email probably, and then I'm going to see some family. So it, it, it's completely mixed. I, I love it. So um, it's very varied. It's, it's very mixed. Um, it's, a, it's a privilege to have that as well because you realise that it, it, is, it is a unique thing and it, you, you kind of protect that. So mm. I, you realise you're, you're in a lucky position to have that kind of real mix in a day. Um, and also, you know, it's uh, sometimes it's quite stressful. Uh, you don't really get time to get things done. But uh, I, I kind of put that to the side, and I, I remember how you know, lucky I am to have that mix. Mm. So it's a very difficult question to answer because it's it, this done next week was different from the week before that. But next week is very different. Um, yeah, it's always mixed, so it's good. When you started out, did you have a, a plan and, and did you know where you were going with Lancet Consult? And, uh, um, no, <laughs> not really. Um, we, knew, we knew that, um, so when we first started, you, you know, you're only two of you and you think, well, we could just be like freelance contractors. We just leave it like that. And we'd, you know, our careers, were, were, our CVs rather, were good enough that we knew that we could probably you know, e- you know, easily take a life of contracting or freelance and you know, have a reasonable salary and be okay. We're living in Singapore. It was like, well, we could do this. And then we, I said to my wife, I said, we, there's, um, if we're going to do this, then we should, we're not going to do that. Because that's, that's kind of like the, not the easy option, but we could do that anyway, at any point. We've already got that in the bank, that, that capability. Mm-hmm. If we're going to do this, we're going to walk away from you know, careers. I was with Accenture. I was, I was, I was doing really. I was enjoying myself. I was doing really well. I was relatively senior. And I was, I was. You know, my career was looking good. But to walk away from that, and to put that not in the bin, but to, to completely stop that career and to start something completely new, the only plan we had was if we're going to, we'll do it seriously. We're going to build a company. We're going to build a multi-office business. We will do consulting. That's what that's what that's what we know. Um, but we're going to base that consulting on a certain style. And go for it, and that was it. Right. That was the plan, and there was no targets, there was no objectives other than that. That's what we have in mind, and let's see how we get on. Because mm-hmm. we always knew that when there's only two of us, we can always stop. And anyway, it's three of you and four of you, you can always stop. But when it's, it gets to a certain point when you you, you you've kind of done it, and you think, well, we, we don't want to stop at all, and we can't really stop now, and we, and we we don't want to. And I think that's the only. That's all I can say. Those first couple of years, there was no real planning. It was just having a, a bit of a focus on what we're trying to do. Mm. And uh, I think then things change when you create your next office and you, you maybe you add your, you know, your tenth employee or something. Some yeah. milestones happen where then planning starts and you start to get a bit more serious about it. 
Um, but I think that's my advice to others is that in those first couple of years, and we work a lot with startups now, is don't stress about those things because it, it, it is actually irrelevant. You don't know what's going to happen. Something's on your control. Um, just have a bit of a, an idea and a vision where you're trying to get to and then just focus on that. Yeah. And you have to be very flexible. Um, you, could be do, you could do extremely well in those first six months or not. So you have to be ready to adapt to that. Um, you may need people, you may not need people. So you need to just be ready to move and be very, very quick to move in those first couple of years. So right. yeah, the planning was very simple. And do you have a plan now? Obviously, just bring the listeners up to speed with what, where, what, hmm. where your company is now in terms of offices and people. So we now uh, operate. So we've grown. Uh, kind of, I'll do it in chronological order. It's easy for me to remember. So we go. We grew from Singapore. We opened in uh, office in UK, uh, London, Bristol, and Edinburgh. And when we opened, then we opened office in Hamburg, and we've just recently opened office in Hong Kong. So those are active offices. Um, of they are now op- those offices operate within a UK trading company, a German trading company, and a Singapore trading company, and a now a brand new Hong Kong trading company. So they are that's where we've grown to. People wise, we're about forty at the moment. It's a bit fl- we're adding people every month. Um, so the rate of people go- joining goes up and down as normal, but mm. we'll probably be in excess of that uh, by you know by Q3-4 and our, we basically we've, we're growing the business roughly about a double every year um, up or down and uh, yeah we are, if you look at the age of that business it's I look at it in two ways you've got our, our total companies you know in our eighth year but of that eight years Singapore's been running for eight years UK for three years Germany for two years nearly Hong Kong for two months so they're all they're, they're individual, but they're all group business as well. So you have to look at them as uh, so the UK business is basically a three-year business. It's got the problems that any three-year business has. Uh, the Hong Kong business is is barely a few months old. Mm. So you have to look at it that way as well as a group, and uh, it's uh, that's what makes it really really interesting. So that's where we're at, and yeah, we've grown our consulting services across various industries and sectors now, and we we focus on. Uh, program delivery and, and how to do it differently um, and better business consulting which is quite classic there's lots of areas of it that we, we offer now and uh, technology platforms and these three areas we've we focus on now right um, and the plan for the future are you going to be the next another Accenture are you going to be of that sort of size no well they're quite big um, <laughs> if you keep uh, yeah. doubling up each year you might you need, to double up, you need to double up for many years to get to that <laughs> but uh, they no I, 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 you never know but um the consulting industry is quite interesting in that it's. I heard some stats recently, which is even I, I don't I say I, but we didn't really realize our board as well. Is is you look at in consulting companies, less than five percent get past five million dollars in revenue globally, less than one percent get past ten million dollars in revenue and annually. So if you think about the range, then that one percent from ten million dollars to the Accentures and Co. Is huge, you know, from ten million dollars to sixty billion dollars in revenue. So the void is huge, and that and that top one percent is dominated by um, four or five monster consulting services firms that have been around for 40, 50, 60 years. So these are monster firms, hugely successful. You know, I learned an awful lot by working with one of them, Accenture. But uh, yeah, we look, we, we we you have to admire those companies. We look to them. 
and we, we obviously replicate some of the good things they do and we try to avoid some of the things we think we do better. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'd love it to be as big as them, but that's, they've got about 50 years on us, so we'll see. Right. <laughs> but the plan, the plan for the future is really continue our global kind of strategy, which is we, we try to open up a new geography every year, and if not a bit faster than that, continue our growth, continue to uh, expand our offerings and sectors we work in. Um, we need to look at how do we how do we grow ourselves into the net into that one percent and above. How do we how do we do that? Because it's quite a challenge. Mm. It's very condensed at the lower end. So really, we're looking at now some of our funding. Um, how do we raise capital potentially? How do we maybe raising it for debt or other means? And then where do we spend that to keep growing at the same rate? So yeah, growing and doubling every year is very, very stressful. It's very challenging. It's a very stre- challenging growth rate. So that may need to calm down, and it has a little bit already, but it's still fast growing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that's our main strategy: is continue what we're doing, and uh, and see how we get on. Right. <laughs> so you're talking about growth and, and getting other people involved in your business, for a lot of founders, at some point, if they are you know, they aspire to grow, they will have to involve other people. Yeah, yeah. Any advice you can share in terms of identifying and recruiting people that are going to be good for your business? Yeah, um, well, there's different parts to this, right? So you've got the, you've got the funding part, and uh, I, obviously the longer you can hold off bringing in external funding, the better. So the longer you hold it off, the stronger your business is, the stronger position you're in, in a funding conversation. So if you're trying to raise funding on day one of your idea, you have no leverage, you have nothing. You, you, are, you, you are totally naked to that, to that risk. And anyone giving you money is risking everything with you. So if they're risking everything, they want everything. So you, I, my advice to, I, and we, we have these conversations, is, is hold funding back as long as you can, literally to the penny. Because the longer you wait, the, you focus on building your business, the more leverage you're gonna have, and the less you'll give away. So that's number one, and that's difficult, um, but that should be in your mindset at all times. The people side, obviously founders, they'll, they'll do it together or with groups of people or on their own. Um, add people very carefully, especially in the early days, especially at equity level or leadership level. Um, you need to have a very close relationship, you need to know each other, you need to be very attuned, because you know, divisions will occur, you know, there's only one person can be in charge. That's obviously that's always a challenge. And you see a lot of companies start up with like two leaders or three, particularly in Germany actually. It's very, they're very keen on this co-founder thing. I say to them, well, one of you's got to be in charge. So it's be careful with who you add. When you, st- I would always advise bringing in non-execs or advisors early, as early as possible, and keep that moving. Um, again, pick those carefully, and uh, they're, they're huge advice and help for you. That people have been through it before, or or just have experience in that product area or that sector, that can help you just steer in that very very volatile first few years. Mm. They can just keep you in a, a bit of a direction, um, and they may also help you with funding and other things. Right. So that's uh, my but be be very careful with people and selective and be fussy, and definitely look at non-execs and advisors and be extremely cautious with funding mm. in the first couple of years, for sure. Right. So you, you talk there about, um, well, effectively, there's only one person in charge, which brings us on to leadership. Mm. Um, you're a leader of business yourself. No doubt you've met many leaders of businesses. What are your observations there? How, what have you learned about 
good leadership? Um, I mean, well, everyone's got different styles. Uh, I think, first of all, when you, we, we, of all of, when you meet the CEOs or owners of companies or, or, or you know, the top guy or girl at the company, um, they're often really nice people, first of all. They're, really, they're, they're often very genuine, very professional. They, ha- they have to be. To, to run a business, right? You've got to be. You have to be a good team worker. You have to be friendly. You have to be professional. You have to be. It. It's so that's a general trait I've seen, and often people are quite nervous of meeting like a CEO or a, you know a group financial person or senior board level person. But in the corporate world, they don't get there unless they are able to lead teams. So by default, they tend to be quite nice people to work with and be around and quite inspiring and that kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I've seen. Um, leadership styles, they, they, they vary massively. Some people uh, can be very direct, very, they can be very short, they can be difficult to work with, others can be very empowering, delegate, everyone's got a different style. But mm. I think the thing that I see very successful, the best people I've worked for, are those that can adapt and will adapt their style based on the person reporting to them. And that's one of the things I talk about with my, you know, my direct team. And I say the, everyone's different. Everyone has a different style. You need to adapt yours to them. That kind of chameleon effect. So mm-hmm. I've got in my the directors that work with me. Uh, one of them, uh, he likes lots of conversation, but lots of short and often conversations, almost every day, but very short. You know, very short phone calls and that kind of interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, another another one just wants to be left alone and comes when he needs help, which is fine. So, if you try to put that style on the other person and vice versa, they they get really upset and you know pissed off. They can't handle that. So you've got to be able to adapt. And I think the best leaders I've seen are the ones that can see what the person needs and leaves them to that style. Mm. Um, that, that helped me. I was always one of the, to be left alone. And I guess the two or three best bosses I worked for did just that. Mm. Just left me alone and checked in on me. And they knew I knew where they were. They knew where I was. And if I made a mistake, they didn't react to that. They just moved on. And uh, but I saw that person doing it differently to someone else. So that's that's something I've seen. The best will adapt and uh, move around based on the team they're working with. And that's why they get to become CEOs, mm-hmm. etc. Because, because they can they can lead different high performing people through growth or challenges to get a job done. Mm. And that's what makes them, I guess, the leader. So that's, that's how I see it anyway. And you mentioned at the start about how you, it was about relationships building in terms of building your business, about people that you've mm. worked with before and your reputation and stuff like that. Um, there's this saying in business that people do business with people that they like. Um, yep. Do you agree with that? And yep. what have been your observations around, what can you share with us about like making those sales and developing relationships for start, people starting out? People, it, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Um, people buy, you've heard it, it's, it's been said a million times, people buy from people. Um, you know, unless you're buying a, you know, a phone off Amazon or you're buying a product, a very very distant product, then it's a commodity, right? But if you're selling a service, or you're trying to sell your business or you're offering to someone, it's a person to person thing. So yeah, it's critical, and people buy from people, and relationships matter, and um, especially in consulting, it's it's it's, it's almost dominant. That's the, that's the main thing. They don't buy from our website. They don't buy from you know interesting posts on LinkedIn. They don't. They don't buy from branding. They that just supports it. Mm. What they buy from is in the room and the conversation, understanding and the relationship. 
and that's huge. I think that applies to lots of businesses. There are some obviously if you yeah, like I say if you're buying a commodity or product on a, on a you know e-commerce type thing, relationships don't matter so much. If you're public facing, yeah. your brand matters more. But if you're in a services or B two B or you're selling an offering, it's huge. And I was given some great advice early in my career in consulting career, which was. You know, you're very junior. People say, "Oh, focus on relationships." So, what does it matter when you're just a two-year, three-year consultant? You know, you're nowhere near the board level and the decision makers. And the advice I got was, the person you're working with today could be a CEO in 20 years or 10 years or 15 years from now. You don't know. Like, you don't know what that person's going to be doing. And that person, he or she, may only be 23, 24 years old. But when you that relationship, you you maintain, you have a professional relationship from day one. And you never know who that person's going to be when, you're, when you turn 40. And uh, I say it to people all the time, you, you just don't know. Mm. And that applies at any point in your career. So I, I can meet someone this afternoon and they may be a CEO or not or a, a junior, but it doesn't matter. You have no idea where they're going to be, where you're going to cross paths. You have no idea what they're going to do in the next 10, 15 years. And that's, as, I, as you get older, you, you see that all the time. I, my, my network, my friend base, they're all in different places, and if I hadn't had that attitude earlier on, that, that bit of advice, then I, I, I pretty damaged a lot of those relationships. So, yeah, you, every interaction you have, you, you have that in your head because you just don't know where that person's going to be. Mm. And uh, yeah, and you cross paths, and they'll remember that. Oh yeah, I remember you. And next thing you know, you've got a funder or an investor or a client. So, yeah, it's very important. Okay. For a student or a graduate that's sort of interested in following a very similar path to you, um, what are sort of top three pieces of advice that you could give them? You know, <laughs> what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you started out that would be useful for them to know? Mm. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I, I, I kind of, I, I didn't plan this as I was leaving uni. I didn't, I didn't, I honestly did. If someone had said to me. Yeah, you you would have been, you know, I would have done the things I did at the the places I'd lived and and worked for those companies and set your own company up and got it to where it is today. I it's 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 fiction. You have no idea. You're a twenty one, twenty two year old Jeff had had no idea of any of that stuff. All I was thinking about was get. I was I had a job already. I was very excited about that job, and I was just threw myself into that job. So. My, my best advice would be don't get hung up on it too much don't I see a lot of quite young founders you know in their early 20s who are uh, there's actually one in Brighton we're working with right now and um, they have to have a vision they have an idea it's like you, you just you have no idea where you're going to be in 20 years you have no idea where you're going to be in 10 years in 5 years in 2 years really so don't stress about it too much. Just focus on if if you want if you want to go into more, build a career first, then just throw yourself into it, and get work for good people. You know, find a good boss or a good leader, and try to learn from that in your career. If you don't want to do that and you want to go straight into startup world or founder world, then great. But then be very relaxed. Don't set too many plans. Don't don't if you set a plan, it probably won't happen because you have no idea where it's going to be. So don't. Don't get too rigid, is my advice. And uh, whichever one you feel is good, then just throw yourself into it. And uh, yeah, and just enjoy yourself. Just do, make sure you're enjoying what you do. If you're not enjoying it, stop it. Find what you enjoy 
Um, and if you enjoy it, then time will fly. And before you know it, you'll be either you know into your career and you might have moved up the ladder a little bit in a corporate, or you would have moved your company on a direction you hadn't thought. You know, but yeah, um, just enjoy what you're doing, especially in those very early. You know, I, I, and also have fun. You know, you're still young. You're in your twenties. You know, you can go live in different cities. You can go work abroad, maybe. You can try things out. You know, just have fun. Let those times quickly go. You know, once you have married or mm. kids or you do something different or you, 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 everything changes. So it's quite a special period in your career and your life and you just enjoy yourself and throw yourself into it and don't get too rigid. Right. Nice advice. So. Um, and sort of finishing off, are there any particular positive influences, whether it's people or books or ideas that have influenced you in your career and your business that you could share with us? Um, um, I can't read a lot of books. Uh, there's what's, one, what's the most recent book you've read that you've enjoyed? I'm well. One I read. One that's well. I'm reading, I'm reading a couple at the moment. I'm reading Bad Blood, which is all about the uh, Theranos scandal, the startup in the states. Um, the one that sticks out in the last couple of years is is Shoe Dog, about Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very, it's, it's a great book anyway, full stop, for anyone to read it. But if you're in your own business, particularly, and you're, you're creating a business, some of the things I've said, you, you probably have flashbacks of that because that book shows you how that guy, when he started that business, he was just, you know, I won't, I won't say what he was doing, but he, from that to where it is now, you would never link the two things together. And the journey he took was was really opportunity and luck and and misfortune and bad luck and he just he's navigated those things, and it's a phenomenal story. It's it's a great, it can be a great movie if he sells the movie rights, but it's a great book. So Shoe Dog, generally is a great book, but if you're a business founder or owner, it gives you a lot of positivity because you realise that it is tough, it is really hard, and you just need to not get not worry about it too much and navigate and realise that how close he came to bankruptcy was a living threat for many 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 years so it doesn't go away I think it can happen to Nike it can happen to anyone right so that's a great book other influences I obviously there's been good I came from a corporate world before we did this so there's been a few bosses um, I can name them Uh, (laughs) I won't embarrass them but there's literally literally two or three and you remember them and they have powerful influences on you and they're the ones that understand you and I think those individuals um, uh, two ladies one guy and they just they would yeah, they definitely helped shaped, shaped what I did yeah. or give you the positivity to do or the, or, the, or the confidence to do what you want to do so yeah those people um, the companies I worked for and yeah lots of books but with those with those individuals, what was it about? What was it? Was it the, the sort of the investment in you that they made, or was it obviously in how they operated? I think one was I found them, I looked up to them, so they had that aura about them. So I, I looked up to them. That, that was very important. I think you have to be a little bit inspired by a boss. Um, if you're not inspired by them, then you're kind of just working for them, aren't you? You're not really being led. So they're definitely inspiring. They understood me. And like I said before, I like to be left alone. So they, they did that and they let me run to the point of I could fail. And I did a couple of times, but they, they, they were okay with that. So they understood me, like they were inspiring. They were 
were just good, nice people as well. They weren't trying to be like an ego or something. They were just good bosses, good leaders, and that behaviour really it, that inspired me. It may not inspire others. So I think you need to find people you want to work for. And I did that a couple times in my career. I, there was uh, one in Singapore um, I worked for, and I, I actually asked to work for him. So I was like, I want to work in your unit in this consulting area, and and it doesn't happen very often. People don't get asked that very often. So he said, okay, fine. I moved over and worked for him, and he had the best three, four years working for him. So yeah, I, I think it's just a, they're inspirational, they understand you, they, they adapt to you, they let you do what you need to do, or they give you what you need. Um, and they, I think the last thing they, they're a little bit parental you need a little bit parental at times in bosses and leaders and uh, you are caring for people mm-hmm. so they need to show that now and then right. so that's probably what's consistent amongst them and I'm still good friends with them so yeah that's good uh, finally Jeff how are you enjoying your role as one of the independent board members at the university and what attracted you to get involved in that um, well, I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, here today for a board meeting uh, and end of well, end of year academic year direct board dinner we have. Mm. Um, we don't do that once a year, it's, so I've, I've missed one of them. This is, the, this is the first time I'm doing that one, which is great. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, I actually, I really, really enjoy it. This is my second full year now. Uh, Going to my third year after the summer. Um, I also sit on the finance committee and I've been doing that for about a year, nearly one academic cycle. Um, I just love the, it's just a great, for me, being selfish, it's a great switch off from the day job. So I don't get this, it's, it's, it's completely unique. It's, it, there's, no, there's no parallels to my, my, my work. It just, there are some things, but it's, it's so different. So I really enjoy that. I like the distraction of it. I love the fact it's some alumni here so it's, it's really, really rewarding to go into that board meeting and talk about things with university. And, and I never would have thought, I never would have thought I'd be sat in that room 20 years ago, even, you know, why would you even think that? So I am very lucky. I, I, I do try to give as much as I can within reason. And uh, yeah, I hope it goes on for a few more years. The, how I got into it was the university every few years, obviously non-exec or independent governors leave, they cycle. Um, and there was a there was a, there was a few spaces, and I, I I wasn't looking for it. I saw the actual advertisement, and uh, didn't even think about it. I was like, well, maybe that could be interesting. And I've been involved with the uni on recruitment, other things anyway. And I, I contacted the uh, alumni office I was working with anyway. I said, oh, what do you think? And she uh, said, yeah, you should absolutely go for it. So I I, I did had an interview and my first probably job interview for a while um, and it went from there and it's, it's very good I, I think anyone has an opportunity to get involved with those sort of a vol- it's a voluntary contribution you know um, we're not paid as independent governors at Brighton Uni and I, and I, I personally don't think we should be and uh, so it's, a, it's a, you are giving time and you're giving responsibility back to the uni and I think it's I find that very rewarding right. so it's a great team of people so it's good fun working with them Excellent. Well, thank you for giving time to us today as well no for problem. this interview. Um, where can we keep track of Lancia Consult? Where should we go to find out more about you? And- we we make well lanciaconsult.com is our website. It's going to change soon, which is good, which is going to be quite exciting. And uh, we mostly we put news and things that the team are doing on LinkedIn. So if you if you use LinkedIn, in our world LinkedIn is 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 really important. It's a great way of keeping contact and keeping our network and client up to date. 
um, that's where you find most of our news um, and yeah if anyone's wants to reach out or find out more they can get in contact no problem excellent thanks Jeff cool thank you so that was Jeff's story. To find out more about Lancia Consult, go to lanciaconsult.com or look Jeff up on LinkedIn. And the best way to keep track of Be Purple is to go to bepurple.co.uk and sign up for our newsletter. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook using the account name UOBBPurple. That's B-E-E-P-U-R-P-L-E. Thanks for listening.